Hello and welcome to Plan Francisco, the new podcast that interviews the best and brightest financial planning professionals in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm your host, Maxwell Schmitz. I need a plan, a magic key. Today, my guest is Ross Blackstone. Ross is one of the youngest people in the Bay Area insurance advising community, but he has the pedigree to substantiate his expertise. He currently works in a consulting role as a tech startup slash brokerage agency in San Francisco. Ross has very unique insights into the future of insurance, so pay close attention to his views on the role of the broker and where technology is pushing the industry. I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. Without further ado, Ross Blackstone. Ross Blackstone, thanks for joining us. Pleasure, pleasure. So we are... Um, we're excited to learn a little bit more about your perspective on things, since I know you have a, somewhat of a less traditional insurance advisor role. So, um, I like can, that. Can you, less traditional, I like that. That's right. I mean, we're all about traditional values here, but we also like to make uh, you know shake things up a little bit and, <laughs> and try things. Keep guessing. That's what yeah. you gotta do. So, can you tell us what you do? I always like this question because it, you, you could have your elevator speech and you know I never went that traditional route I never really I never felt comfortable having that elevator speech and I always felt like the more I rehearsed my elevator speech the more it sounded rehearsed (laughs) and so I just kind of I don't know and then I I would talk to some of my friends who were in that traditional brokerage and it, it just it didn't sound like my style so when people would ask me that question, it just be kind of after a while, it just kind of came to the fact where I would just say what I did. Yeah, this is what I do. Like, it, the black and white. That's I do insurance, or I specifically said what I would do. And then over time, as I got like more comfortable with it, it kind of just became like instead of talking about what I did, I just kind of used myself as like I guess you could say like an expert or something. You know where someone could trust me, where they could just keep asking questions. Because what I never wanted to do, since I knew I was going to do sales, is sound like a salesman. Yeah, I hate that. I hate sounding like a salesman. I hate sounding like everyone. I I think for in my opinion, it could turn people off where you're trying to sell them. No one wants to be sold. Right. So I just kind of positioned myself where I was like. I want to be an expert at something. I want to be really knowledgeable. Or people come to me for questions, and once they're educated on what they do, like what they're questioning about, mm-hmm. then it kind of became it became easy to sell them because right. they just kind of told me what they wanted and let's get this written up. Sure. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you're the authority, you're exactly. the advisor, and they know they can trust you. Yeah. So it kind of just became that where I was the advisor, I was the expert versus I was the salesman. I'm mm-hmm. an elevator pitch because I don't know that was was my turn off. So I just did what I felt was comfortable. Right. I feel like there's such a, you know, a thin line there because you've got to also market yourself and and make yourself uh, you know, kind of draw that persona Absolutely. around yourself as well. Yeah. That, that you're here to offer a good or a service. So, well, that's where the tell- fine lines cross where you know, right. where I kind of did it my way and I'm going to do it my way or mm-hmm. the highway. And so obviously that works in some instances and then others, yeah. I'm sure I could have positioned myself better to make a sale or something like that. Sure. So it's kind of, I guess, between, you know, you have a, the angel and the devil where, you know, I'm going to do it my way or, you know, I might lose the sale. And, and yeah. But it was kind of just how I felt comfortable doing it with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of evolved from there. And as I got more comfortable, it didn't sound so much where it was black and white, but it sounded mm-hmm. like I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. But in a way, I could spin it where I felt comfortable. You can do this kind of profession with a multitude of personalities. I mean, maybe one person needs to find their exactly. one personality, but 
you know, there are different levels of success, obviously, mm -hmm. and but I don't think that those are driven by personality necessarily. I've seen some introverts really knock it out of the park, you know, with that a similar kind of mindset, you know, where they're the authority, they're there to kind of deliver answers to people's reasonable questions and and uh, they can find ways to 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 sell, yeah. quote unquote, through their solutions. So I, yeah, you I just kind of have that. to find your niche. Yeah. And, and mine wasn't so much as the like the the ones and twos. I would kind of position myself where I would, you know, find the the the, the people who who had the most fingers out to the people I wanted to speak to. Yeah. So I kind of position myself where instead of of, of me going to these networking meetings where I. I felt like I was not in my ball game that wasn't really my my mm -hmm. thing I would position myself where I would talk to the people I already knew who were in positions of people I wanted to speak with nice so I kind of just spun it in a way where I, instead of me you know giving my elevator pitch to the ones and twos right I could talk to, to relationships I already have and really position myself where I can have almost them market on my behalf yeah and then talk to those people and then that's where I really shine that's where I feel like I really, I guess you could say like thrive because I can, I'm great at answering questions. I'm, I'm on the ball. You know, my niche is everyone wants a fast result. I'm, right. I'm going to go and work harder than the next person or mm -hmm. at least have that mentality. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how yeah. I, I guess you could say I, I use my marketing. There you go. Yeah. You, I mean, do, you do it through your actions. Yeah, so exactly. Like, that's awesome. So, okay. Back to the original question. Yeah. What do you do now? How do you describe it to people? When I do it same, all. Same way? I do it all. I mean, I, I sell individual insurance where I, but it's, I guess in the overall scheme of it, it's employee benefits. I mean, okay. really your, your group or your individual, I mean, it all, it all kind of depends. I mean, mm -hmm. who am I talking to? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I yeah. That makes sense. I mean, if you're talking to somebody who's approaching retirement, maybe you're not, you know, going to start talking more about disability exactly. insurance when it, they don't it's, have a lot it's, of income. It's really become case by case. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no problem saying, you know, this isn't going to work for you. I think you should be looking at this. Mm -hmm. I can help you in that situation or let me find someone who can. So, so let's walk back a little bit. Uh, can you tell us how you got started in this business? <laughs> Doesn't everyone get started because of their parents? Some, yeah. some parent <laughs> is in the industry. I think the young people, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's sure pretty much like that. It's a good question. I mean... I guess you could say I was almost born into this business. I mean, my dad has been doing this now, coming up 50 years. Wow. I can't even imagine that. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah no, 50 years. I, I grew up with it. I, after school, I would be at his office. Didn't know what he was saying at the time. Mm -hmm. Just kind of watching a movie or whatever. And um, I don't know. I went to school. I still didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do when I got out. Mm -hmm. um, I knew I wanted to do in business, so I mean, business definitely has a translation into this industry. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got out. I knew I didn't want to work with him because I needed to find my own path. Mm -hmm. So I, I did try insurance out. I started on the uh, general agent side mm -hmm. for life insurance. And, and then I thought, you know, instead of helping these agents, I think I could be one. Mm -hmm. So I kind of transitioned to that where, you know, I, I kind of got on my feet, got the language down. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of slowly transitioned into an agent where I, I feel like, you know, it's something I like to do. I like, I like communicating with people, you know, I like that interaction. Yeah. I like that challenge. Right. So, and you ended up working with your dad for a little while too. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Three years? Three years. Nice. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was probably one of those situations where I didn't know how it was going to go. Like, it could have gone sure. either way, where it was like, we would have gone at each other, or mm-hmm. we would have worked really well because, you know, I'd fall up. Mm-hmm. I would fall down, I mean, and he'd help me back up, and he'd tell me what I did wrong. Mm-hmm. And it actually turned out to be a really good situation where I had this guy who's been in the industry. I haven't met anyone who's been in, in it longer. Mm-hmm. And he really taught me pointers where I never thought of in that perspective. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he is definitely a legend in the DI world. I mean, he's one of the best producers I've ever seen. So. Yeah. It's kind of like old school mentality meets new school. So I'd have yeah. my takes and he'd have his takes and I kind of molded it into a way where, you know, I, I felt like this was a good way to go about the business right. as best I could. Yeah, he definitely brings a school of thought that's, yeah. you know, more tried and true and it comes from that 50-year pedigree, not necessarily yeah, the, same, the same way we think. But um, to have both you know, both sides of the brain, so to speak, working at the same time. I think that's a pretty unique, unique atmosphere at the office there. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who just, his mentality is go get to, go get the, the, the phone book. Yeah. We're going to just go through the yellow pages and we're just going to pound the phones. (laughs) I'm just thinking, you know, who answers the phone anymore? Well, that's the thing. So you have to kind of, you have to create this thing. Right. Right. Combine it. I mean, that same kind of sentiment, though, that, mm-hmm. that requires that sort of, um, uh, I guess, the callousness to, oh, yeah. to receive the nose, because mm-hmm. uh, you will uh, if, you, if you use a method like that, but, um, but maybe with some sort of new age um, well, that's how modernization. I so I yeah. took that in, and then I kind of did that for a while, and then I was like, okay, and then I kind of learned from it and evolved right. into like my own new technology with the old, so. Perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so now you are working squarely in the thick of the technology realm, it seems. Can, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your, your new primary role? Yeah. So now, I mean, just to go off of the, I guess, becoming a, a uh, experience, someone you could go to to ask questions, I thought it would be a good role to transition where I really honed down on DI, LTC, and life insurance for my first four or five, four years in the business. Mm-hmm. Really got an understanding of that. And then from there, I wanted to go into kind of a consulting role just to kind of keep expanding and keep going forward. So mm-hmm. I found a startup, which is actually really weird to find for insurance. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. really not that many out there. Sure. Uh, and so now I'm a, essentially a consultant at a startup brokerage. Okay. Uh, in the city. So you guys are doing retail sales still? It's it's group business. So group it's, business. you okay. know, you're doing your employee benefits on the group side. Gotcha. Um, I'm working on, or I want to, it's my goal as I kind of get more established in there is to, you know, bring in more, there's so much, so much business in there to be had for like oh, people yeah. with buy-ups and all that. Uh, so I want to work on that um, in the future, definitely uh, get that in there. But it's, it's really interesting. So think like Facebook meets employee benefits that's awesome yeah, yeah that's the best way I could put it so like you know you sign up and, and it's very interactive platform mm. and then they combine that with insurance oh so each employee signs up like for an account so like the whole group signs up and you essentially get a platform think uh, you know you're, you just signed up for Facebook cool so yeah. then you have all your interactives you can do your, your pay stubs and all that's on one platform you can interact with the entire company across the entire you know United States 
And then you can also make you know your elections for all of your insurance. Oh, nice! In the same platform. That's cool. Yeah, so it's it's really cool. So it's basically a, an automated HR system, is what it sounds like. Yeah, right? essentially. Okay. So you're doing payroll benefits, and now getting a little bit more. It sounds like this company's getting more into the individual benefits side. I this. want that. that. I mean, it's oh, not, okay. quite not quite there yet. Right. We're still, you know, it's it's hard when you're a startup. Yeah. Because you can only do so much, and you really want to um, fix. I guess your mistakes because there are tons of mistakes going in a startup where you're trying yeah. to be better than the next but also make your product better than someone else's mm-hmm. so as we're progressing I mean we've only been around five years mm. um, yeah that's my my goal yeah yeah that's interesting five years sounds doesn't sound quite like startup anymore but at the same time I know that is just like infancy as far as insurance agencies go and you know some of these companies have been around for hundreds of years well it's funny you say that because it's like startup tech Mm -hmm. that's definition startup but then startup insurance i mean the thought is there it's the process are are kind of there but um they're light years ahead i mean like there's Mm -hmm. people who are coming into our startup whatever they've been in the industry for 20 years or whatever Mm -hmm. And it's like the the brokerage side is like taking off. I mean, oh, good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we're That's exciting. I think third fastest growing in the United States wow. or something. But it's nice. it's hard to put that in a relative because right. some other brokerages are very. It, it's hard to keep growing on top of that. For sure. Yeah, it gets harder too. With, exactly. With every success. So, I mean, obviously things have changed for you a little bit just between the roles, but I mean, mm-hmm. I know that there are some, probably some core principles that you use when you're working with clients. Can you, can you uh, address a few of those? What, what are your, what are your go-to first principles? I mean, this is another question where it, it could be answered in a multitude of ways. Yeah. Um, you know, I always, and it, it can be hard for me sometimes because I want to jump right out and give my opinion but I always try to listen to what they're trying to say nice because most of the time they'll tell you exactly what they want right. um, they'll tell you exactly what they need they'll tell you their issues so you'll right, know right away if it's possible or not mm-hmm. and really all I've done along the way is just kind of ask questions because mm-hmm. uh, I feel like the, the less I say that actually the better the situation will be and then as you kind of grow your relationship with that client it really just becomes easier and easier sure um, so I mean I try listening more. It's definitely, it's tough, especially when you're first in the business because you, you want to make that sale really badly. And <laughs> you, you're trying yeah. to sell, you're trying to sell everything under the sun. Um, and then kind of as you, you transition from, I need to sell everything to, okay, you know, let's hear what you want to say and, mm-hmm. and just ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I felt like that's been a, a huge principle or my number one, I guess, now I'm thinking about it. So ask and listen. Those are those are your your. Ask principles. and listen. You know you want to do what's right. Mm-hmm. You are the the expert. So you know I found out that not overselling mm-hmm. has helped tremendously. You know doing what's right. I guess you yeah. know really having that uh, that thought in the back of your head. Yeah, sure. And in keeping a focus on the real solution. Yeah, like I said, they'll they'll tell you what's going on. So that I mean, along that vein, what are some of these common mistakes or questions that you see with your clients? What comes first for a client, and it's unfortunate sometimes, is is, is price. Mm-hmm. That that seems to be a huge issue for them when they don't see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So especially with disability, um, mm-hmm. it, it's a huge and it's very frustrating because they're not looking at it as insuring themselves. Right. They're looking at it as this is insurance. 
you know, they, everyone thinks they can outdo the statistic. It's not going to happen to me. Right. Yeah. No, pricing, I, I would say, is one of their downfalls just because they, they don't look at it in the correct the correct way. They don't look at it in the bigger picture. It's really tough, too. I mean, you try to explain a situation where this is how it is and to lose something that they don't want to proceed with because of that. That's the number one objection for sure. Yeah. Think, yeah. yeah. And, and it's I, unfortunate. Something we've, we've been working on lately is trying to in trying to avoid that is the um, is basically showing two options at yeah. any given point in time you know I think it's sometimes we we tend to prescribe I think a little too soon and and you know and that's not necessarily the, a bad thing to do obviously you know you want to come in there with a recommendation and and make sure that it works but I, I also like having that low ball figure so that they can see the variation in pricing and then allow themselves to kind of upsell themselves um, as they as they go through and we kind of educate them about the each each detail each line item each provision yeah no that's actually something my dad taught me is you know Mm -hmm. show them the thousand dollars a month show them the bare minimum just that way they can see it they don't get you know sticker shocked right explain it educate them and then you could always work backwards or you know find that spectrum that they're looking for keeps the conversation exactly yeah exactly because i think sometimes when you show that that max, that 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 mm-hmm. total benefit you can get, it, it can right. freak people out because they don't know really what they're looking at or what that's covering or what that right. means. Right. Um, so it's easier to work backwards sometimes than it is to yeah start from the bottom. No, that's great. So what what would you say is your favorite part about being in this business? You know, this business actually, if if you do it right, it can treat you very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you build a good book of business. You know, after a while, you may never have to prospect again just because it's a referral business. Um, it's very easy to have a good work-life balance if mm-hmm. you, again, do it right. Yeah, um, it's key. Yeah, so I think between those two things, you know, you could build a solid book of business and you could have, you know, thoroughly enjoy your job, which to mm-hmm. me and to I think a lot of millennials these days is, is really key is yeah. enjoying your job. Because no one wants to do that, you know, right. that job where you don't enjoy going to. Right. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, we're just, we're working with people that, you know, if you get to a position mm-hmm. where you've been around long enough that you've essentially hand-selected. Yeah. You know, and, and it's uh, that pliability with your scheduling and everything. Right. Just, these are all considerations I took when in looking at my parents and kind of assessing if this is something I wanted to do in the future. That was, I'd have to admit, definitely top yeah. of the list. So. Um, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, no, I've met a lot of cool, a lot of cool um, people or clients over the years where I don't think I would have ever been able to interact with mm-hmm. someone in their industry if I didn't do this. Yeah, right. I meet a lot of interesting people. I think one of my favorite like clients that I have, he's the um, was it like a sketch artist or whatever, but he does it for movies. I don't know what it's called. Um, uh, like an animator, he, kind of like that. So he he's done like the cool like Star Wars like huge movies oh yeah I would have never have met that I wouldn't have even known that that job existed <laughs> if I wasn't in this industry so it was like so a, a really unique situation and I got to you know go into his house meet him and yeah awesome dude coolest coolest guy um mm-hmm. and then going and looking at what he does is mm-hmm. like one of the most unique things I think it's pretty amazing yeah so what do you think is your trajectory in the next five years Ooh. A good question. You always want to keep going forward, right? Um, 
is it a consulting track primarily or is it um, are you going to continue doing you know I guess I'm trying to find that fine line of of consulting but I don't want to get out of sales Mm -hmm. so it's like you know how do I how do I juggle both how do I how can I make them work how can I how can I do that so that's it's a it's a tough question to answer because I want to do them both and I enjoy them both and I think I have strengths and weaknesses in both so I'm trying to Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out (laughs) so it's kind of like a it's like a tangled web yeah trying to undo it (laughs) I know and I mean you can also struggle I feel like anybody could struggle with that just in their own practice yeah it's especially young people who I think bring more of a consulting mindset to Mm -hmm. this to this operation it's not everybody certainly but um, I think that's kind of the goal for a lot of new you know, entrants in, into this occupation is they want to be advisors and yeah. they don't necessarily want to be salespeople. And, but a lot of it is hand in hand too. You know? Well, I think it evolves. Like, you know, one day you might think of, hey, I want to do consulting. And the next day you just fall into the right situation where you're like, you know, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can be a salesperson or you run into the right person and an opportunity comes up mm-hmm. where... Mm-hmm. So it, it always, it, I feel like it changes day to day, but you know, yeah, I, I, I do like the consultant. I do like the sales role. I mean, I, there are, they do intertwine with each other sometimes, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but that's, that would be my goal is just to keep expanding on those roles, you know, have ideas where I could bring into this new situation I'm in and hopefully as a result, I mean, mm-hmm. there are sales roles in there where. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That'd be interesting. It, like yeah. I see you cross that barrier i mean certainly the sales aspect the, the opportunity is boundless when mm-hmm. it comes to it especially if you have the ability to cross sale on existing clients like that big group clients oh, there's, there's a lot whales. of opportunity there there's some whales very awesome so i guess more generally though what what would you expect this industry to look like over the next 5 10 20 years that's even a crazier question because this industry that changes more than mm-hmm. ideas happen i mean one day this will happen and then the government changes it and changes yeah, the whole right. thing. Just as you, I feel like just as they, they bring something out and you really get a, like a, like a groove going in it, mm-hmm. they switch it up something on you. Changes. Yeah. Either a carrier or a, yeah, government. I think the carriers, they see, they see like what's happening with, you know, the younger generation and they're trying mm-hmm. to like, put their taste on it but it's just like they're just so old school mentality it just takes a lot longer for them to catch up yeah right so what I'm hoping is in the next 5, 10, 20 years is they finally catch up it's tough for millennials to, to my generation even myself where if I didn't know about this industry just to even how do you get in yeah yeah totally who do I, mean, I talk to what do I need to learn right. what are the questions I should have like I think even a lot of millennial consumers feel that way. Yeah. About, you know, they just have zero understanding about, you know, some of the some of the great benefits of, of the product lines that we work with. Yeah. So Well it's 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 a tough question though. It's like, you know, if, if a carrier came to me and I'm in the business and they said, Well, how do we get into that younger generation? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's you don't have any dollar, ideas? Yeah, well that's a million dollar question is, you know, some people are just kinda like tunnel vision. Right. I don't want to think about it. So. Sure, sure. I know. We're trying to meet everybody where they are. I think that's that's the key. But 
where are they? Yeah. <laughs> is the true question. Exactly. Is it Facebook? Apparently they're abandoning that like crazy. And, you know, yesterday they just lost 20% of their equity. So That's all that you got to be careful what you say now. Yeah, you know, exactly. it is. Everyone's, everyone has a phone. Everyone's watching. And, um, I mean, even Instagram, Snapchat, it seems like a lot of these apps are ephemeral. But that's where, you know, it you know, the, the, the real drivers behind those sort of markets are always switching it up. So it's hard to chase it down as an advisor who's built a practice mm-hmm. on a model that has never really incorporated social media yeah. or anything like that. Well, it's, it's like a new, it's a new day and age where we have social media. It's probably the best way to possibly market that you could ever dream of. Sure. But then how do you bring in, how do you bring in insurance without glazing people over where you, right. you kind of make it like, oh, I want to no more or I want to what is this right make them ask the right questions sure so you, it's really I think that's the, the toughest part is because social media is so new mm-hmm. and insurance is so old how do you combine the two <laughs> it's and a, I feel like that's what I this new it. startup that I'm in is is trying to they're kind of like the front runners they're trying to do where yeah. they're like okay let's try mixing technology with the, the Facebook look with sure insurance yeah that makes we, sense and I mean, you just think about like someone like your dad or even my folks who've yeah. been in this industry for decades, and, and you know, in their cases, my my grandfather who actually started this business. So you know, they've they've seen it all, mm-hmm. and it hasn't really changed that much. Right. But it's so ripe for for that disruption now. To yeah. use steal a Silicon Valley term. That's so, what I'm saying. Yeah. So I mean. What does it look like for them? Do they still maintain their old models, or is it on us to try to be an, an intrapreneur and, and change the business? I think it's both. Yeah. I mean, like you have to you have to keep doing what you're doing, or else you're gonna go on. Right. Yeah. And, and while that's happening, you have to come up with ways where you kind of transition in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, do you think there's a lot of opportunity when you frame it like that for for young people to come in and, and shake things up in these in, in this industry in these agencies and and kind of deliver that second tier of it to get them upgraded to the new century? I think you have to. Yeah. I mean, to if survive. not, this is a dying industry. I mean, right. this as it is. Exactly. Yeah. You have to. I mean, if. if there will always be insurance, but if you wanted to keep it going on a trajectory where you're getting new young faces out mm-hmm. there where you want to make a sexy product that people want to go out there and sell. Mm-hmm. You have to think of ways to to relate to the next generation and so on and so forth. Right. Um, and is that distribution model similar in your opinion too? I mean, I know we're talking about marketing and advertising yeah. on social media, but are you still, is the broker still the primary driver? I think that it? always has to be there. Yeah. You can't go around that because a computer won't tell you the questions that you need to know mm-hmm. to make the right choice. Sure, yeah. I mean, there'll always be the, the person that thinks they're coming up with the best product in the world where you could sign on and put your age and right. something down and spews out a number, but like, that will work in some instances, but a majority right. majority of the people, it will not work. Right. So you always have to have, I think the, the broker is here to live, to find out how to keep going to the next generation and so on is gonna be the next right. the next questions. Yeah. How do we relate? How do we add social media into the, the mix? Yeah. How do we combine the two? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you bring up a good point, too. With the, you know, it makes me think of the Turing test, which is if you... It, it's always been kind of like the standard for artificial intelligence. Yep. If you're conversing with a robot, 
do you actually know it's a robot? And if the answer is no, then the turn test has been passed and who knows what happens from there, but it has yet to arrive. And so you think about all the nuances and all the questions that we get on the insurance side. I mean, if you can't even, if, if AI is not quite there yet to even, you know, imitate a regular conversation, yeah. how are they going to be able to pull it off in the, in the insurance yeah. realm? You've seen these applications there. Yeah. <laughs> you mean the insurance book. apps? Yeah. yeah they're yeah. a book and, you know, unfortunately, yeah. As cool as a, a robot sounds, you know, they, they won't be able to distinguish one medicine from the other or give advice or... Yeah. Well, they could be. I mean, if it's in type, you know, we can they can probably find a way to, to look it up and things like that. In fact, I'd love to see that happen sooner than later so that we don't have to deal with that yeah, anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the trickiest part. I think sometimes. it's more about the the reasoning and trying to get people the right solutions to their to their to their queries or to their problems and, and make sure that they're, you know, not just spending money on, on products that are useless to them, right. which is something, you know, that advisors have kind of been pushing also. There's certainly, you know, a lot of, you know, quote unquote advisors or, or insurance salespeople yeah. out there who are selling inadequate products right. and, and not really giving a second thought to the true needs of the clients. But, you know, here we are. Yeah. A chance right. to change it all. Yeah. So what do you think is the most exciting part of what you're doing this year? I mean, it's been a, a majority of our conversation. I, I, I'm excited to see how we can incorporate technology. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's, that's not going anywhere. That's yeah. only becoming a bigger uh, light in the room, elephant in the room, mm -hmm. that I think the insurance industry is just figuring out how to address and how right. to become a part of. Yeah. And once they do that, I think this could be some of the best years that they have. I mean, totally. since this stuff first started coming out and you could sell anything because they didn't know what was going on. Right. I think this, this could be a huge yeah. um, situation where, you know, we're incorporating the two for the first time. Totally. Or successfully, you know, their ideas are there. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like uh, trial and error right now, though. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm well, excited about it. I'm excited for you, and I hope we can be along for the ride with you. You know, we'd love to. We'd love to hook up and make sure that. Of course, you're the man. That's it. You've been there day one. <laughs> You've been my advisor for for the advisor. It's been fun, man. So, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they have any questions? Call, email, um, uh, Ross at DB Benefits. Um, uh, if I'm back in contact with you within the day, then there's something going on. But uh, <laughs> cell phone, 415-269-0506. You know, love to have a conversation or at least hear, hear the thought processes of what's going on. Awesome. Well, Ross, thanks so much for the time today. Appreciate yeah. it. No, thank you, Max. And thanks for coming to Plan Francisco. <laughs>